Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Balog. Let's get started. Today we're going to study two verses from chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. These are verses you've probably heard many times before, but as we're going to find out, you may have some misunderstandings about what they mean. Now, let's listen to the Word of God. Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. We're going to begin with a memory aid that we call the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym to help us understand and remember how to properly analyze any piece of scripture. It starts with SP, which stands for speaker, then A for audience, C for context, and E, finally, the explanation. The order of those four is very important as it reminds us to consider the speaker, audience, and context before attempting an explanation. So let's get right into it, Andy. The speaker most recognized that Jesus is speaking here, and what scripture tells us this is true. Yeah, so we look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, and first we see here that it's the Son of Man, and we know this because he accepts worship. Also, this phrase at the beginning of the message, and you could look at verse 14, reads, He is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So here we could see that obviously the speaker is Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on to A, audience. Verse 14 says that this message is addressed to the angel of the church at Laodicea. Those are three key words. So let's save Laodicea for, uh, for later and focus on each of those words, angel and church. What do they mean and why is that important? Well, basic translation, angel in scripture means messenger. And the word church translates to the outcalled or the called out of the called. It's not just the average Christian, but this is for someone who is going to the next level of Christianity. Okay. And uh, it's, a, it's a messenger of a specific church. That is correct. So it's probably someone who is uh, called out by God to bring about an important message to the congregation. Okay. Now the context, see, where are we in the Bible and in time? Well, Jordan, in the Bible, this was written during the Apostle John's exile. We know that he was on the island of Patmos at the time. 
Um, and there's a lot of different, um, you know, scholarly writings about why he might have been there. Um, a lot of people believe that he was there because, like Jesus said, um, after he had resurrected and walked on the, the shoreline of the beach with Peter and John, he said to Peter, um, you know, this is how I'm going to foretell how you're going to die for the ministry. But as for John, what is it to you, even if he was to never die? So there's a lot of theologians that assume that maybe they just couldn't kill him. And back then, the Romans or the Jews, out of fear, excommunicated him to the island of Patmos. So this is where it was written and to whom. Um, as far as the time goes, the church at Laodicea began through the ministry of Epaphras. And he was a colleague of the Apostle Paul. He was a native, uh, a native of Colossae. And it's to whom the book of the Colossians was written, of course. And Colossae and Laodicea, ironically, were near each other geographically. Right. Okay, and now finally the explanation or interpretation. Let's get into Laodicea. Um, it was located in the Lycus River Valley, the southwest area of modern-day Turkey. It was a rich commercial center known for banking, wool, and medicine. And salve was a major medicine they made there, according to uh, the MacArthur Study Bible. And it was known for its innovative water supply, which was an underground aqueduct. So getting into the, uh, into the actual scriptures themselves, we need to look at them, look at the scriptures that immediately precede our reading. So Andy, if you could just uh, take us through verses 15 through 19, that'll be a nice setup for that. Right. So the verses that preceded go like this. Verse 15, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Verse 16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And finally in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Yeah, so a lot of meat there. Uh, just in connecting to the the town itself, um, the city and uh, the church there, no notice the imagery related to what the city was known for. For example, the use of water in verse 16, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Um, the use of, the mention of wealth in verse 17, it says, you know, because you say I am rich and, become, and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And also the use of I salve as a metaphor in verse 18. It says, I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And, you know, more important than the, the literal connections here, these are types or symbols. So can you give a few examples of those, Andy? Sure, Jordan. So, I mean, let's start with the word salve. Um, I salve was used to anoint the eyes so they would see, as it says in verse 18. And this goes well with the end of the message in verse 22, which reads, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, you know, it, it's it's a it's a very common saying for Christians to say, you know, as mentioned in um, in Matthew chapter 13, the Lord says that, you know, Lord, could it be that you would open their eyes so they might see and open their ears so they might hear? 
and uh, their hearts so that they might receive the word. So, you know, it's, it is um, imagery, it's symbolic uh, types that the Lord uses, which the Laodiceans could easily relate to, because like you mentioned, to the industry at the time, the lifestyle that they had, these were, you know, common everyday terminology um, that they could relate to. And obviously our Lord is amazing at that, so that the target audience understands the analogies that he, he is using. And how that applies today, um, I think we could all agree to this, is that in a spiritual sense, the, um, that because the Lord wants to show us something more than just, you know, the, the importance of the world and the importance of our life on the earth, but he, he's really focused on spiritually where we're going to be going in the next stage. And this is what the Lord wants the church who is already saved to understand, that there's more. And, um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on in this, in this teaching this week. Yeah, it's a common set of flags to let Christians that are interested in the deeper truths of the Bible know that Jesus is speaking to deeper spiritual truths when he talks about spiritual sight and spiritual hearing. For example, you know, we, we go back to, again, you mentioned Matthew 13. You know, Jesus spoke many things to the crowds in parables, which they, they couldn't possibly hear or see because they didn't have the spiritual ears and the spiritual eyes to to perceive it. Um, you know, for example, in Matthew 13, 10, the disciples actually ask him, you know, why do you speak to them in parables? And the first reason he gives in verse 11, he says, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. But the second reason he gives is to fulfill a prophecy of Isaiah, which he recites as follows. You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. And you alluded to that uh, passage as well. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, Jordan, too? Uh, I, I, again, I, w- I would like our listeners to really keep this in mind. It's very, very important for us to be able to go to the next step here in today's Bible study, is that he mentions that the heart of this people has become dull. Right. Meaning that at one point it was sharp, right? Mm-hmm. So keep in mind that the 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 crowd here and who is direct who this teaching is directed to is already saved. You know, this is a group of people that at the time of the Sermon on the Mount have been following Jesus. They believe in him. They're not out there to give him a hard time. They're not out there to tear him down. They believe in him. They know he's a prophet, and um, you know they know that he's from God, and they want to believe. And not only were they seeking him for for physical blessings, but they were also spiritually being fed. Um, unfortunately, he was also calling most of them out because though that the Jews were already on on the correct path to become saved, obviously by what he said, their heart has become dull. So, like you said earlier, these deeper truths that Jesus wants us to know in in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter three, is that there's so much more that even though. Right now in our life, we might think, well, you know what? We're Christians. God has blessed me with the right job. God has blessed my family. Um, I'm saved. I go to the right church. Everything is lining up. Yes, life is always, there's always going to be some curveballs that life throws at us. But you know what? We knock them out of the park because we stand on his word and we have faith in the Lord. But there's more. You know, we, we can't, we have to be careful not to get, um, you know, kind of content and complacent on where we're at. Lukewarm, right? Lukewarm, absolutely. Right. You know, so we kind of, I guess the big question is, if someone who's not a Christian was to look at our lifestyle, how we talk, how we think, how we act, do we look like a Christian or do we look like an everyday person, right? Do we distinctively stand out as someone who's a, a representative of Jesus Christ, 
especially in these last times, or do we kind of blend in with the world? And I think that's that's what the Lord is, is really trying to say is that, like you said, don't become lukewarm. Don't think just because you have clothing that you're not spiritually naked in my eyes. Or don't think because, you know, God has given you eyes to see that your eyes aren't crusted over because you're so caught up in the things of the world. Right. You know, take this eye sob. So, you know, I think, as again, as this lesson goes on, we're going to learn and, and study and see specifically what he was talking about. Yeah, well, and it directly connects to the lifestyle of the Laodiceans because they were in a place of great wealth, and wealth is one of the biggest uh, ways to become dull of heart, as you mentioned. And, you know, the um, there's so many blessings uh, tied to to not not losing your sharpness, as you will. You know, late, later in Matthew 13 and 16, he says to the disciples, you know, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So this language in the message to Laodicea means that the letter has an important deep message for Christians who have the spiritual maturity and wisdom to perceive it. Yeah, and, and I just want to jump in really quick. I just want to say also that, you know, listeners, please keep in mind, he's not saying that, oh, okay, be, this this great thing that you're blessed to see and hear and understand is not necessarily just being saved. There's more. There's definitely more that the Lord wants us to know of him. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So, so verse 20 from today's scripture reading is the famous verse that everybody quotes and preaches from, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And, you know, many use that as a salvation verse. They right. say that's Jesus knocking on the heart of the unbeliever to come in. But we know from, from our space method recounting that this message is to a church, yeah. which is a group who is already saved. So it can't really be a message for unbelievers. It has to be for believers. Yes. Uh, I just want to bring a very big point. This is a rebuke from Jesus to the church. Right. This is a rebuke to people who are already saved. Okay. Going back to verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So, you know, breaking down that verse alone, Jordan, those whom he loves, you know, there's, it's, yes, the Lord loves everyone, but I think what he's saying is specifically there are certain favorites that the Lord has, right, that he's calling to to this special teaching, and um, he's reproving and disciplining us. And we know in Hebrews it says that, you know, in order to be considered a legitimate child, we have to be disciplined. It's a sign that we are a true child of God. And, um, and therefore, be zealous and repent. So we should be excited for this to know that when we go through hard times, this is God's way of showing, you know what, I'm your father, I love you, and you've kind of went off track, I want you to repent, which in definition means go back. Yeah, go back, change your mind, which you can't do if you're never right in the first place. Right, right? a lost man who doesn't know Jesus Christ yet can't go back. Can't he, repent. Right, he can't repent. This is for a Christian who who's you know, maybe apostated or deviated off the, the righteous way, and um, what the Lord is trying to say here is, listen, I'm rebuking you. I'm disciplining you, my Christian children, because I want you to receive something great. And I think this is what the focus of this this particular letter is to the Laodiceans. Okay, so let's do it. Everybody listening, we'll do it in the studio. We'll metaphorically put on our eye salve. We'll clean out our ears. And, and now let's break down some of these phrases that, are, that occur in this scriptural passage and understand what it's saying to those with the with the eyes and the ears to perceive it. The first thing is gold refined by fire. That, that's a that's a multi level um, type type and metaphor for us to understand. And Andy, what does that mean? Gold refined by fire. 
Well, I mean, we do see there's different types of uh, precious metals, if you will. Um, you know, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We can also look at uh, maybe even some of the Old Testament um, and the building of the temple, of some of the elements that was used to build that temple. And we see some critical, you know, precious metals and so on, such as precious stones, a variety of precious stones, silver, and then gold. And we know that gold was specifically pretty much only traded amongst kings and royalty. Right. It wasn't something that the commoner had. It was, you know, they could have maybe a, a thousand silver coins, the commoner, but gold itself was a, you know, was a, a, a commodity that only the the royal, you know, that, that were able to trade, you know. So that's something to think about um, as far as, you know, what it represents. And then, um, you know, also in refinement speaks to burning off the dross that collects around an otherwise good work that a Christian could make. So, um, yes, I, I believe that there are many ways that a, a Christian could produce a spiritual gold in the way we live our life and certain things that we believe in and share and teach and that we evangelize. And uh, I think the key is, is is studying deeply and understanding the difference between silver, gold, and precious stones. Yeah, so you're referencing the master builder analogy in 1 Corinthians 3. We, we recommend everyone go and check that out when they have a chance in their Bible because the Apostle Paul really lays out three levels of righteous works, and gold is the highest level that will uh, that will be for basically for it's, it's a metaphor for judgment day the master builder analogy correct so at judgment judgment represented by fire it will be applied to our works and gold silver and precious stones will remain and be credited to us uh, you know we'll gain a reward because we have those kind of works right and that gold is at highest level yes absolutely and that judgment seat or bema seat is is for christians only it occurs after the rapture of the church right um and it's it's going to most likely occurred during the seven years of tribulation, which is going to be happening on the earth. While while the Israel and the non-believer is going to be judged during the seven years of tribulation, Christians will be judged in heaven based on their works, not to see whether they go to heaven or hell, right. but whether to see whether they receive a reward or or spiritually suffer for not receiving a reward or or you know not receiving any benefit to their works. Right. And uh, yeah, and, and that the other side of it, as you just mentioned in the master builder analogy, is is wood, hay, and stubble. Um, moving on, we see this um, type of white garments only mentioned a few times in the Bible, but it has a very specific and clear meaning. What what does a white garment represent, Andy? Well, what we want to do is first separate the white garment from the garment of righteousness. Okay. There's a garment of righteousness which every believer receives. Um, it's an invisible garment that God knows because of the blood of Jesus that we apply in our life, which is by God's grace, by the way. Um, it's not like we could find Jesus and then we automatically, no, God chooses us. And then the day that we accept his calling, pick up the phone, if you will, and say, yes, Lord, I believe I'm ready. The day we accept Christ as our Savior is when we when we automatically have this garment of righteousness. Now, the white garment mentioned here in Revelation chapter 3 represents that our garments were cleaned. Now that we do have that garment of salvation, now that um, we understand that Jesus is calling us to a higher level to go to, we need to make sure that we continually go and, and repent and confess our sins and make sure that we are without spot, blemish, or wrinkle in order to achieve or attain to the higher calling. Yeah, Andy, how we know it's about works and not uh, the gift of salvation is it says in verse 18, I advise you to buy from me this gold refined by fire and buy from me white garments so you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. So we can't obviously buy salvation. Salvation is a free gift. This has to be talking about works. Yeah, so he's asking us not to come up with so much money and donate it to a church. He's actually asking us to trade off our time 
and our, our, you know, our efforts in our life where we would look to lift ourselves up and instead lift up God and glorify God in our time and in our efforts and our works. Okay, so now let's revisit verse 21 from today's reading. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Overcomes what, Andy? While we're in this world, you know, and there's, you, you know, you could study John chapter 13 to learn a little bit more about this. We pick up dirt on our feet and God wants us to continually keep our feet clean as we walk throughout the world, even though our body is obviously saved and clean, but sometimes the feet gets dirty. So we need to make sure as we walk on a daily basis that we wash our feet, that we stay out of the world, right? Um, you know, we're allowed to be in the boat and the boat is in the ocean. Just don't let the ocean get in the boat. Otherwise we sink. Right. And then look at the promise here. If we're able to do this, to overcome the world, if this church is able to do this, their reward is to sit down on his throne. What a magnificent promise. It reminds me of Romans eight seventeen, which says that if we are children of God, then we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, and that's a big if, so that we may be also glorified with him. And um, God wants to have us join him in his glory, in it, but it's something that we have to earn. We have to prove ourselves in our work. So give us a little conclusion, Jordan, as far as today's study. Yeah, to sum it all up and to give you guys listening your takeaway from this Bible study, it is this. Jesus is knocking. He wants to become Lord of your life. If you let him, you will have the power to overcome the world, and you will get to rule and reign with him during his thousand-year kingdom. Amen. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. 
To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And if you can't afford to give $20 now, how about giving 20 people you know an opportunity to listen to this ministry? That's right. You can send them an email with our website or post a link on your favorite social media platform. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rights reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.